Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giants step. step. Welcome inside One Giant Step. Sean Morash, Paul Dottino with you. It is officially regular season game week. And if you were really into the preseason games and now feel like you completely wasted your time in the second half because of all the roster shuffling, welcome aboard. You are just like me. Paul, good morning. Happy Labor Day to you as we record this. Welcome to game week, brother. Oh, my goodness. Let's get it on, man. It's like the July 4th fireworks. The party's about to begin. Yeah, and I remember last year with the Joe Judge era and them signing, you know, three guys on waivers. It was like, okay, wow, all right, the Giants are very active. Boy, what a roster shuffle this has been between practice squad signings and who will be elevated and everything else. It is hard to keep up with everything the Giants have done over the past couple of days. But the most recent news, and I think, look, not that you're going to get Deion Sanders in free agency at corner at any point, but you had highlighted safety a week ago, and they end up signing two of those guys in Pinnock and obviously Tony Jefferson. Today, a guy who started 16 games a year ago for the Atlanta Falcons at cornerback, Fabian Moreau, signed obviously to the practice squad with the expectation, maybe not for week one, but by week two at least, he becomes elevated as we start to use some of those elevations and then kind of figure out who eventually formulates this roster. Uh, Paul, we both asked for a safety. You got two. I asked for a corner. I now have three, but this one makes me feel a little better because of starting experience. And somebody yeah. comes from Dean Pease's defense as well, which is obviously you know a trickle down from Wink Martindale's defense. Uh, your overall opinion on what Joe Shane's done here and, and Fabian Moreau being the latest version of this? Well, Sean, as you said, the cornerback depth was very thin in terms of proven experience. There, there just wasn't a whole lot to smile about but behind the starting three guys. So... I don't think there's any doubt that they needed to go grab somebody. Now, Moreau wasn't a guy necessarily on my radar, but you right. say from Atlanta, previously from Washington, yep. he's been in the league for a few years, so he's a wily veteran, and he's been in the division before. So, you know, I understand it because they needed a grandpappy, if you will, in the room. <laughs> I mean, a grandpappy, Corey Paul, a grandpappy. Right. Well, like Corey it. Jackson was, was the, the oldest vet. In that corner right. room. And to be honest, he's a young vet, at least as far as I qualify him. Right. Uh, Moreau is just another another one of those older guys who can help settle down the room, help give the, the climate change a little bit to 
a more mature situation? Because let's face it, you and I both know young guys like Robinson, like Holmes, um, for, for example, uh, um, also Williams is Darius Williams right. will be back very soon, I'm sure. Uh, and we know that Flott's also there. These guys are green. There's going to be times they've got questions or their confidence is shaken. It's good to have that big brother who can put his arm around you I and agree. say, hey, come on, settle down. It's cool. It's going to be okay. I, I completely agree. And look, I, again, does my win total opinion shift on this team? No, but I feel better about stability in games. Uh, you know, with guys like this who have just flat out played, even if they're not great players, because clearly anybody you grab now is not necessarily going to be a great player. I, you know, and Tony Jefferson is not a great player anymore, but he was kind of that rare. He, the Ravens fans thought he would be on the team kind of player. So I'm happy that the Giants went there, which, you know, kind of walks me into all of this. You mentioned just pre-show a little while ago, and the reason I'm going to tie this in now, they are going to have two practice squad elevations for this week one game. We assume that Tony Jefferson for sure will be one. In fact, it really is starting to feel like Tony Jefferson's role on this defense is going to take on a bigger role with Blake Martinez, which we will get to in just a second. But this also could mean Max Garcia is not elevated for week one, which was a guy who I think some people thought was in that mix to start at left guard here because we don't know who the heck is starting at left guard. It could be, as you pointed out, like five different variations. Who is going to play? Could they actually rotate a couple guys in the mix? And here we are on the cusp of week one with yet another major offensive line question, which is something Giant fans don't want to hear. Now, the difference is it's one question. It's not five or four questions on the offensive line. So at least we've you know changed our mindset on that. So where are you at with left guard right now, Paul? Well, I think the other thing that's good about it, Sean, is that at least they actually have five options to choose from. That's true, too. <laughs> that's true, too. I mean, in the past, the guy went down. There was literally nobody yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, you know, I, I know that the Giants feel the best about Joshua Azudu, the rookie out of North Carolina. But as we've discussed on past shows, he's had very limited reps during training camp in the preseason because he's been dealing with a injury that the coach hasn't really wanted to reveal. So while he may have the most talent and the most upside of any of the five guard options, the truth of the matter is he may not be ready this Sunday to play against Tennessee, especially when you consider you know, I'm sure there'll be occasions where Jeffrey Simmons is going to be licking his right. chops trying to go against that that player. Right. And, and luckily on that Jeffrey Simmons note, too, I know it's, you know, an outside player, but what an enormous break for the Giants with Howard Landry getting hurt. Now, you don't want to see that for the player, obviously. It goes down for the year. Major loss for Tennessee. Right. But Tennessee will find ways throughout the year to make up, well, the best they can make up for the loss of Landry. Pressed against time here, you know, the Giants might be able to shift a couple double teams and chip Simmons' way, not having Landry in that game. And for, the you know, the offensive line flux the Giants have, I mean, if you had to handpick, and not, again, we are not stressing that we want to see anybody hurt in the NFL, but if you had to handpick a guy in the Tennessee Titans not named Derrick Henry that you would like to not play this game against the Giants, I would go Harold Landry because he's been that much of a force in the backfield yeah. for teams for the Titans. So, you know, again, Jeffrey Simmons could eat up the middle, but at least the Giants can invest their scheme and resources to try to add some extra protection and not leave a left guard out there to be completely exposed. It's very interesting you bring that up, Sean, because right now Bud Dupree – is their premier, premier pass yep. rusher off the edge. Now, remember, last year coming off the ACL, only had like three sacks because he played half a season. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy, though, who has put up double-digit sacks in the past with Pittsburgh back in 2019, and he is a very impactful player. Now, from when I watched the preseason film of the Titans, and I know it's vanilla, but they basically lined him up over the left tackle in all but one of the snaps that I saw. I'll take my chances with that with Andrew Thomas. I'll take my chances. Exactly. So if they're going to keep him over there, Thomas will take him one-on-one. And then on the other side, you know, Evan uh, Evan Neal will deal with whatever mixture the Titans want to throw at him. Um, but it's certainly possible. We can't ignore the fact that they may flip-flop Dupree in this game, something that they haven't shown in the preseason, but maybe Dupree will get some shots on the other side. But I like what you're saying in terms of whoever the left guard is, he could get some help. Now, the other options, Bredesen's coming off an elbow injury. We don't know how much he's going to practice this week. Or how good he is in general. No question. I think he's better as a backup center than he is as a guard. Probably right. Quite frankly. Probably right. Devery Hamilton had two really good preseason games at left guard. But do you feel comfortable throwing him into the starting lineup in Tennessee? Let's let's take a timeout with Devery Hamilton here for a second. I agree. First of all, here's the way we look at it. No matter who you're starting at left guard in this game, and even if it was Shane Lemieux and he was healthy, that I think would be the most questioned position you have on the offensive line. Right now, Evan Neal's going to go through his bumps at right tackle. We haven't felt this confident about the left tackle position basically since, you know, David Deal at this point with how good Andrew Thomas has become. And we expect Klowinski and Feliciano, even if they're not great, to just be fine. And the Giants haven't had just fine at center and right guard in a long time. So left guard, no matter who you were putting out there, Paul, even if it was Lemieux, you would feel more confident with Lemieux, but you would have questions. When I look at this group of guys that we're talking about right now, and if it's really not going to be Max Garcia, who would have his own questions anyway, Devery Hamilton is the one that actually intrigues me the most. Izudu... Clearly, I would like to be a starting guard. You invested a third-round pick in him, a starting guard for years to come, but week one, rookie year, fine. Devery Hamilton, to me, smells like a guy who could have the opportunity like Nick Gates had in 2019 versus the Jets when he kind of stepped in out of nowhere on the offensive line. He was the best offensive lineman in that game in a game that, unfortunately, the Giants lost. The upside and intrigue is there from the preseason, and internally as a fan, I think I'm rooting for Hamilton to seize that moment this week at practice and be our left guard in week one. Well, interesting in that Hamilton was originally a tackle, and the Giants have used him more at guard because they wanted to uh, assist him in some position flexibility. Well, what happened? He played two preseason games as the starting left guard and played very, very well, albeit against second and third teamers. Correct. And so that's where it gets a little sketchy. How do we grade him, given that he wasn't facing the kind of competition that he's going to face against the Titans? That's where it gets a little sketchy. So do you feel more comfortable with a Max Garcia, who's been in this league before and has started games and and is a natural guard center type? Or do you even go with, as I mentioned the other day, do you do you go with uh, Jack Anderson, the guy they ju- they just claimed, who has background with his coaching staff from the Bills? I think what's going to happen, Sean, and I'm not copping out here. I think the Giants are going to work two or three of these guys as the first team left guard during practice this week, and they may not decide till Wednesday. They're going to be they're going to be working uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, full practice again. They'll be off Thursday this week. It's a crazy week the way the schedule works. 
Then they'll be back at full practice on Friday. It might not be till Wednesday or maybe even Friday when they decide who their starting left guard's going to be. Amazing. It may all depend on practice reps. Who does the best? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Amazing. So in, in essence, this week in practice is going to feel like another training camp just for at least that position in terms right. of winning a position battle. Uh, and in all the years of bad Giants football recently, forget the good Giants football, I don't remember a week like this ahead of the opener with so much uncertainty around one specific position. Not that you didn't know, even if you didn't like who the starter was going to be, you kind of knew who was starting at every position heading into week one. It's amazing. Now, as you pointed out, you can look at this as a good thing. The fact that they have options, and in the past they haven't had options, and you just hope they go with the right call. But it is fascinating. The left guard, only in Giants football, right? Could we care that much about left guard? The left guard fat position is unreal heading into week one here. Play really is. Can you? I mean, Paul, you've been around the team forever. You remember a week like this? It, forget later on in the year injuries. Week one, we have no idea who's starting one of the 11 offensive positions. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty wild. I, I think, to be honest with you, though, Sean, as you said in years past, even if you knew who the starter was, you were sweating bullets because you knew he wasn't any good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Now, now just one, one other side yeah. note to keep in mind here. Whether or not they want to bring up Garcia from the practice squad, and that would be one of the two activations. Remember, we also don't know about the status of Thibodeau and Ojolari, two of their edge rushers. They may need to activate Quincy Roche as one of the activations for the Titans game to play opposite Ziminets. Great point. And we, full disclosure, we are taping this on a Monday morning on Labor Day before we have heard from Brian Dable. And I'm sure the question will be asked about Thibodeau and Ojolari. And I'm sure that the answer is going to be still, hey, day to day, we'll see how their week goes, something like that. I mean, is that fair to say that's what we Game time decision in all likelihood, Sean. (laughs) Well, I mean, Paul, gut tells you, do we get at least one of those guys on Sunday? Gut tells me as we sit here today, Ojolari's got a better chance than Thibodeau. That's that's kind of amazing. That's kind of amazing. I now look. I I have that feel like we had when Odell Beckham was a rookie, where it's like, damn, I really want my first round pick like Thibodeau out there. But I do understand. Don't just rush him because it's the opener. If he's there for week two, and more importantly, week three versus the Dallas Cowboys and their bad offensive line, let's make sure he's a full go. But knowing how bad our cornerback situation is and how much we've been dying for a great pass rush. And it feels like we have two bookend pass rushers. Now the idea not seeing them out there right there for the opener is t- That's just so tough to swallow to get two injuries like that. Hopefully one of them is out there. I have high hopes for Ojolari this year. I find him to be one of the most intriguing players on the team in terms of upside and taking that next step. 
Um, that's the guy for me I've thought about all summer, and it, it sucked to see him get off to a slow start with the injury and now get hurt. But especially if resources and double teams go Thibodeau's way, Paul, Ojolari, if healthy, really could be primed for a big year. Yeah, I, I actually think those two guys, uh, not only coming off the edge, but occasionally rushing through the A or B gaps on stunts and even lining up in different spots, I think it's going to open things up even more for Leonard Williams. True. I believe he's going to have double-digit sacks again this year because teams are going to be so concentrated on trying to protect their edges that Williams will face more one-on-ones, and that's going to be a feast for him. But I think the key for the Giants, at least this week, is unlike in years past, if they only had one really good edge rusher, or maybe if they were fortunate enough to have two, were you looking at one and two maybe being out this week? At least you can put Roche and Zimenez out there. Zimenez seems to have found a rebirth under Wink Martindale, and I think we all agree that Roche is is a really solid backup. No, I like Roche, and I wish he had made the team flat out over Zimenez. Here's my. Well, I wanted both of them to make it. You know that. Paul, here's my issue with O'Shane in this game, man. Derrick Henry and that run game, that is something that O'Shane has struggled with mightily early in his career, setting that edge and and flat out stopping the run when he's been out there. He's gotten blown past on run blocks and everything. And that's, you know, everyone wants to talk about the pass rushers with Ojolari and Thibodeau. And we don't really know what Thibodeau is going to be as far as a run defender at the next level. We hope, you know, he's there and he's good. But this is a game... With no A.J. Brown anymore on the Titans, they're still trying to figure out their passing offense where it's about shutting down the run. And if Zimenez is out there just taking bad angles and the edge is getting run over, that's where it could get ugly for the Giants right. in this game. And that's where it hurts. So, And Roche did a fine job versus the run last year he when he had his opportunity, especially in that Raiders game as well. So, it's just, again, another scary thought when looking at that well, edge room ahead of this game. Which, what you do is, potentially, if you call up Roche and you've got him maybe being the full-time guy on one edge, Zimenez would be a rotational guy. You know, you might use yeah. Carl Coughlin out there That's uh, on early downs. You might even consider Cam Brown on early downs. And then Zimenez would strictly be in on the passing downs to provide a pass rush opposite Ojolari. You know, right. I think there's a role. Again, here we're talking about the Giants having options that they right. can turn to and they can actually plug in and say, okay, we have other guys we can use in these spots. Now, let me throw this one at you, Sean. And again, I don't know what Wink Martindale is going to do. We're just taping this thing on Monday morning. And even if I did, I couldn't tell you on the <laughs> penalty of getting my head decapitated. But would it shock you if Wink Martindale went with a four-man defensive line against Tennessee? No, not at all. And by the way, you should think like that. If Wink Martindale is going to be the real deal as a defensive coordinator, adjust. Don't just throw the same, you know, formations and everything out there. Just because, you know, your roster build is in a 3-4 doesn't mean you have to play every single game there. Understand the opponent's strengths. They have guys like uh, Jelly Ellis and Nick Williams and Jihad Ward, who's a 285-pound edge guy but can play down on the front line with his hand in the dirt. They do have enough of large bodies and beef that if Wink decided on early downs he wanted to go four down linemen, he could certainly do it. Interesting. And Wink Martindale, all eyes will be on him, of course. And now with that, I, Paul, this might be the first time we end up disagreeing a bit, but I don't know because I don't know where your opinion goes on this. 
I have heard and understood everything since our last taping of one giant step on why Blake Martinez has been released by the New York Giants. We're going to go there right now, as I'm sure our fans are interested in our opinion on this. I I think the answer that you're, that Joe Shane is not Dave Gettleman to me doesn't work as far as like he's absolved from all criticism. This is a blemish on Joe Shane's mark. And not that Blake Martinez isn't here. If he wasn't a fit, wasn't healthy, looks slower. The idea that here the Giants are in all these cap problems and we're worried about, you know, whether Darius Slayton eventually gets dealt, who's going to get restructured. And there could have been another two and a half million saved had this been done in March. I'm sorry. I think this looks terrible for Joe Shane and the cap management for the Giants that now Blake Martinez has been cut. Well, I would ask you a question, Sean, and I'm not telling you you're right or wrong because I think opinions on this can be varied. But when they made the move to change his contract around, cut his salary in half and guarantee him the seven million for this year. At that time, he was still early in his rehab coming off of the ACL. Correct. Now, you and I do not know physically where he was then and where he was projected to be as to where he was this past week when they cut him. Now, I can only tell you this. In recent years, the National Football League trainers have adopted an electronic GPS system, and they put all of these sensors inside the players' uniforms when they're at practice. These sensors measure all type of physiological data during the course of practice. It measures stamina. It measures heart rate. It measures lung capacity. It measures flexibility. It measures explosion. All of these Physical, physiological data gets fed into a computer. And what happens is the training staff then analyzes the physiological data and tells the coaches, look, this is where the player's at. This is what he can do. This is what he can't do. And sometimes they'll even tell the coach, look, we got to pull back on practice with this guy because his measurements are out of whack. What I'm saying to you is, I don't have access to that data. Nobody does. That's medical data. It comes under the privacy laws of this country. I would say to you, what if Blake Martinez's electronic scientific data said, "Uh uh-oh, his leg never progressed to the point where they need him to, and we now know he won't be the same player that he was in 2020, or even the guy we projected him to be. Now the circumstances change. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Paul, so now here's my caveat. No disagreement. If all of their science and data tell you that the knee didn't progress the way they thought it would, I mean, I would also push back and understand, hey, when you restructure, you have to understand and give the guy a little more time coming off an ACL. Here's two things I would throw at you. Then, why was he not in the initial wave of cuts? Why did he make the 53 only to have himself cut a day or two later? If, if all, the science didn't change a day or two later, why was he not in that initial wave of cuts? And don't tell me waiver clips. It's not like they went out there and added another inside linebacker. Number two, number two, even if that's what the science and data is telling you, and you, maybe you didn't want to throw him on IR to start the year, give him a little more time to rehab, whatever it is. I still look at that position group 
And I look at Micah McFadden, a rookie late round pick. We all have high expectations for him, but we still have to understand the reality of what he is, who he is, and where he was drafted. Tay Crowder, who last year when he stepped in for Blake Martinez, different defensive system, really got exposed. And even if you like the player, you need Tay Crowders on your team. You, you start to look down the line. Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, maybe they're more for special teams. The, the position group itself is so extremely weak on paper that you can't, first of all, you shouldn't even assume health with those four guys. We've already lost Darian Beavers for the year. If any of well, those guys go right? If any of those guys go down, what's the depth look like? So the reason I bring that up is you could show me all the science and data you want about Blake Martinez. And I am totally with you. Maybe he would never be the same player again. The the position group itself, tied with the lack of cap savings you save now, on top of the fact that he made the initial 53, I throw that all in a big pot of sauce and meatballs, and I tell you, something doesn't add up, Paul. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, a couple of things uh, to, to address here. Number one, um, Martinez got 26 snaps during the preseason, and they needed, I believe, to see his preseason snaps to get an eyewitness account, not just a data account of where right. his legs stood. At the same time, you just mentioned Michael McFadden, the rookie that they got out of Indiana. Played well in the preseason. They love this kid. So think about this. At the same time that they may have been, and I don't know this for a fact, they may have been seeing data they didn't like so much. Then they go and they put Martinez in the games, and they're seeing, uh, you know what, this kind of jives. He's not the same player. But during those same preseason games, McFadden is bowling out. The last two preseason yeah. games, he was really good. Right. Now, so at that point, now maybe they're saying to themselves, well, first of all, McFadden is going to be a better replacement for what we want to do with our scheme. So maybe we're actually better off anyway keeping McFadden. They're making this decision late, but albeit it's before the season at least. And the other part to this I think that's very interesting is that I believe that Wink Martindale is going to take the, the lead inside backer, which is what Martinez was, off the field probably 60% of the time anyway. And I think when you consider that, they're in their mind saying, well, for the whatever, 25 snaps a game that Martinez was going to get, We've got Calitro or we've got McFadden or Calitro's we've got Coughlin, right. whoever we've got, we can we can cover it for those minuscule snaps anyway with a guy who's younger and more athletic and can probably have better range because Martinez doesn't necessarily have the same range that he had before. And, and which is uh, by the way, that's where Tony Jefferson keeps coming up is the idea of like playing, you know, a dime safety up in that kind of position exactly. at the linebacker. And I think for Giant fans, maybe that makes us a little uncomfortable because look, Paul, kind of like baseball, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna position this in baseball. There was a long time forever where your best hitter hit cleanup or third. Now those best hitters are hitting second and we don't understand it and it feels different and the analytics have changed, right? So the idea of two cornerbacks, two safeties, you know, three linebackers or four linebackers, three right. defensive linemen, like the game has changed. You're in so many different looks in, in football that you can't just assume, hey, you have this middle linebacker here, you have the two outside, the will, everything. Things are different. But if that's the case and I, and I live with it and the defense is going to look different, you're not going to use that linebacker the same way. It's not like Wink Martindale came in here and he surprised everybody with his scheme. If he thought Blake Martinez was only going to be out there a certain amount of snaps anyway before the knee looked that bad, again, I just keep coming back to any any reasoning that gets sliced here makes a ton of sense. But 
I do believe that any of this reasoning could have been used back in March instead of now. And, and you keep saying, well, you still wanted to see what Blake looked like. Still wanted to see what Blake looked like. They still invested two draft picks in Micah McFadden and Darian Beavers in the position as well. Uh, and and by the way, if Beavers doesn't get hurt, I, I don't even think that you get a lot of complaints from Giant fans today because then it's a feeling of, we really like the way that both rookies look. This is exciting. But it's the idea that this came after the Beavers injury and just hearing the reasoning behind it. I'm strictly speaking from, from you know, basically whatever Giant fan is thinking. The reasoning behind it just feels like, well, these are all reasons we could have said before we saw his knee look like shot. Look, I was going to say a bad word. Look shot. It just, it doesn't sit well. It doesn't sit well at all. And we are a Micah McFadden injury, which we hope it doesn't happen away from right. what is going on on this team right now. So again, Joe Shane is our full trust from a fan base, Paul, and I know you're around it, but it's okay to say and look back and go, Joe Shane's done a good job. He might've mishandled this one. Well, I, look, I, I don't disagree that there can be varied opinions on this. I, I think it's like a prism. There are so many angles, and that's really what happens in the NFL with every move. There's a prism with so many different angles, some of which we can make sense out of and some of which we don't know. I will say this. You're right. If Darian Beavers doesn't go down, nobody's probably making much of a stink about this because yep. he's probably taking that spot. Right. Um, right. but and then we're excited. We're excited that a rookie won out the job. Exactly. Exactly. Because Beavers looked really good when he was in Correct. there. Correct. Um, but here, here's the other item that I would add. One of the other intangibles that the Giants are considering in building this team is to have a certain type of locker room dynamic. Now, Blake Martinez was not pleased with taking that salary cap cut that he took back in March. It certainly was something that weighed on him, and he was not very happy about doing, but he took because he felt it was his best option for his career. Now, here's what I will say. The players voted for the captains the other day. And when I mentioned this to you, and I said, well, listen, he lost the green dot. He's going to lose playing time, blah, 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 blah. I could understand why the players may not have voted for him. Well, maybe the players not voting for him as a team captain also was a message Right. A message that right. maybe Blake Martinez is not as significant a leader or as a significant intangible part to this team as he once was. I mean, when your teammates yeah. don't don't vote you as one of the 10 team captains, uh, that's a little bit of an indictment. Now, I've just railed on this for about 10 minutes and I've given you my negative spin on it. Paul, I'm going to become Paul Dottino in this moment, okay? I'm going to give you a positive spin on this after hating this, a little glass house. You ready for this, Paul? The <laughs> last time, the last, I could tell you this because I've compared this to talk to my friends the last couple of days on this and they all agree. The last time I felt like this anger slash outrage at a guy being let go or watching him walk away off of an injury was Steve Smith in 2011 when he went to the Philadelphia Eagles with the microfracture with the knee injury. And do you remember that initial gasp of everybody? Boy, Steve Smith went to the Eagles. I thought we were figuring this out, and he was coming back. That initial outrage was like, what are the Giants doing? This is our Pro Bowl receiver. Let him rehab. Well, what happens by week three of that year? You find Victor Cruz. You realize the team's in plenty of good shape. Steve Smith is eh with the Eagles. His career never is the same again. And the Giants take off and win a Super Bowl. Now, I'm not telling you the Giants have taken off and winning a Super Bowl. What I am telling you is caution yourself in the outrage of a veteran you might have loved and not understanding him coming back or making sense. Because this happened with Steve Smith in 2011. Maybe Micah McFadden is the Victor Cruz of inside linebackers. We will find out. I'll give but you a piece of inside information regarding Steve right? Smith. 
Sure. Steve Smith tried to make the comeback off of his devastating injury. He came back to the Giants. The Giants told him they'd be willing to give him a deal. And they told him that he's going to have to rehab for several months and might miss part of the season. And they had something worked out with him. And he said, well, I got a call from the Eagles. They want me to visit. And the Giants said, okay, go ahead and visit, but get back to us. Let us know what they tell you, and we'll see if we can still work something out. Well, Steve Smith went down to Philadelphia, and the Eagles promised him that he would not miss any time, that he would get back on the field ASAP, and he immediately took the deal with the Eagles without ever reaching back out to the Giants like he had promised he would. Amazing. And how did it work out? The Eagles rushed him back, he got hurt again, and his career was over. Yep. And the Giants ended up finding a, you know, a legend for a brief amount of time and won a ring the next year. That's Unbelievable. Right, Sean, there were always different angles to the prism. And no doubt. And again, I, I didn't think we were getting into Steve Smith or Victor Cruz, but it was just I didn't want to come across as Mr. Negative. And I wanted to say that this has happened in Giant history before where you're outraged and you realize things work out for a reason. So I have my trust in Joe Shane. I just think it's okay to question what Joe Shane did. All right, Paul, we'll be back for another episode later in the week where we fully – We'll invest our time and resources into looking ahead to week one, the matchups, everything that goes into it, and a little prediction, win-loss, uh, score, the whole deal, ahead of Giants and Titans. You can follow Paul on Twitter, Paul. At Giants WFAN. You can follow me at CBS. Thanks for taking another one giant step with us.